0: You are listening to An Ounce, Season 4, a bonus episode, worth a second look.
1: You are listening to An Ounce, a podcast providing inspiration, ideas, and wisdom through engaging stories, commentary, and interviews, so you can live life better.
0: I'm Jim Fugate, and it's my privilege to share An Ounce with you. I've got an interview to share with you today. Good friend of the family, Susan Meehan. Hello, Susan. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Jim. Nice to be here.
0: Susan and I have been discussing some things about language, about words, and how sometimes we read a phrase or we look at what someone says and it's two or three words. We look right past it and it doesn't mean so much. But then especially in literature or scripture, You can go back and look at it again, and the depth of just two or three or four, maybe six words can be so deep and have so much meaning. But you have to begin to look at the context of where that verse sits. Susan, you had one particularly in mind from the Book of Mormon. What was that?
1: And he dwelt in a tent.
0: So what? He dwelt in a tent. So That's what? That's
1: what I said for years. <laughs> and he dwelt
0: in a tent. <laughs> he dwelt in a tent, okay. So um
1: yeah, what? and when I became an instructor I started dissecting text a lot more than I used to, and I began to ask the the why question. Why did he dwell in a tent? What did it matter that he dwelt in a tent? And as I began to really ponder it a little bit more, I realized it, it had a lot more meaning. It was written by the sun of a man named Lehi. Nephi wrote the verse.
0: Nephi being the son.
1: Nephi being the son, Lehi being a prophet in ancient times in Israel and uh, had told the people that Jerusalem would be destroyed and they didn't want to listen. So, Lehi happened to be quite wealthy. He was very well off. Mm -hmm. Um, Had the extensive home, money, prosperity, flocks, Herds, servants.
0: So this guy was really well positioned within the Jewish society at the time. Correct. But because he was telling them that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, they decided they were going to kill him. Funny how people do that to prophets sometimes when they tell them things they don't want to hear.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, so he, you know, tried for a while to persuade the people. To change. And after a time, the Lord just had said to him, you need to get out of Jerusalem, pack up your family and take off. So they go travel for, I think it was about three days toward the Red Sea. And this, at this point, that's where the verse comes up. First Nephi, I believe is chapter two. My father dwelt in a tent, as I believe is the exact quote on it. As I looked at that and thought more deeply about it, I realized that this involved sacrifice. This involved walking away from everything you have. To number one, be obedient. But to number two, to save you yourself and your family, seeking a better life.
0: What a what a choice to have to make. You're a prophet of God. I mean, if you're a human like me, you're probably going, "Is am I crazy? Is this really going on?" And yet, he chooses to walk away from all of that wealth and all of those possessions.
1: He does. And he has four sons that are referenced in this particular chapter. The two older sons are the worldly ones. They don't want to leave the wealth. They think dad's, you know, off, off his rocker, not thinking clearly, couldn't possibly be right. The two younger sons are obedient to the father. And although they would certainly love the creature comforts of their home, They're willing to follow their father, not only because he is their father, but because he is a prophet and they acknowledge him as such.
0: Mm -hmm. So thinking about this, who the words come from often gives meaning. So if this phrase were to come from the older brothers who thought dad was crazy, what would it mean? And because it comes from a couple of the younger brothers, one in particular, Nephi, who adores his father and is a very righteous man in his own right, what does it mean that he would say, my father dwelt in a tent? Again, the question is, okay, I've got the context, but so what?
1: Correct. So what? I think he could see the father more clearly as he is willing to do whatever it takes. My dad, let's put it in, in modern day, you know, conversation. My dad is willing to do whatever it takes. And if that means giving up his creature comforts of a home, then who am I to say, I won't go with you? Who am I to not follow the instructions of a prophet?
0: What an incredible example, too. That mm-hmm. Here's my father who's ha- who has everything as far as the world is concerned. And because he has such conviction to the Lord and devotion to the Lord, the Lord says, pack up and move. Get yourself out of here. Leave everything behind. He just leaves everything behind. Now, I imagine the older sons are probably going, and my father, such a fool, (laughs) is dwelling in a tent when he could be back home in Jerusalem. But this younger brother, Nephi, is, look at the commitment of my father. He's given up this beautiful home, these servants, this life of ease. He's taken on the ridicule and the potential, his, his own martyrdom by the people that were around him that didn't want to hear what he had to say. And because of all of that now, he lives with his integrity he shows me an an amazing example and he lives in a tent he was willing to give it all up
1: and i think it speaks to the children that yes all these creature comforts are nice and all this wealth is nice but it's not the important thing i can you know you can make more money you can get more things but they're just that they're things Mm -hmm. They are not what really matters in life. And I'm sure all of these children of his watched his father over time gather, work hard and gather these things and build a good home for his family than to have to say to the family, oh, okay, well, we got to go. Everybody, you know, get your suitcases, take your favorite things, you know, and we've got to head out on the camel's. Yeah. Meet, meet you at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very deep when you really sit and think about it. What did it mean to the dad? What did it mean to the wife? Mm. You know, they, they reference the wife. What did it mean to her? What did it mean to the sons? It was a great hardship because now, you know, you don't have the servants bringing you dinner. You're hunting for dinner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Yeah, sometimes you can easily, as I did for years, gloss over that short sentence and think, ain't that nice?
0: Yeah, my father dwelt in a tent. He
1: lives in a tent. Well, But then when I really thought about it, it it gained so much more meaning for me.
0: It really does. So much of the words that aren't there but what are behind it Mm -hmm. cause it to be a statement of admiration, a statement of love, a statement of... He's really set an 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 amazing example for me. This is a man who is incredibly committed to doing what he knows is right and following the Lord. He dwelt in a tent when he could be at home. Giving all of that up had to be so hard for him, but he did it because he knew it was the right thing. What an incredible example! There are a lot of other verses in the scriptures. What's another one that you like?
1: Um. Oh gosh, I guess in New Testament where. The woman with the issue of blood touches the hymn? Yes. And the Savior turns and says, in a huge crowd of people, who touched me?
0: Yes, he had been approached by a man whose daughter was really ill. The man wanted the Savior to come and heal his daughter. And on the way, as they were walking towards this man's home, they were just thronged. People were everywhere. People around, pushing, shoving, in tight streets. I mean, he was... He was getting touched by all kinds of folks. And then he said, who touched me? Three words, who touched me? His apostles, as I recall, said, what do you mean who touched me? We're in a throng. What do you mean? Who touched me? They didn't get it either.
1: It would have been easier to say, who didn't touch me?
0: Yes, it would. It would. But what's the deeper meaning of this?
1: Well, when they asked him, what do you mean who touched me? He said, I felt virtue go out of me. And it's very important to understand some of the words. So, in this case, what does virtue mean? You know, don't gloss over the word, because what it meant then is not what it means now. So, virtue was power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When he was touched, he f- she was looking for healing, and she believed so deeply that all I have to do is touches him, just with my fingertip, yeah. just touches and this him. This is
0: the woman that we were talking about. That caused him to say who touched me?"
1: Correct. She had been
0: feeling that she could be healed if she could simply touch the hem of his garment.
1: Hem of his garment. Now, Mm -hmm. what
0: was her place in society at the time? It says she has an issue of blood for uh, many years. What are they talking about?
1: Okay, an issue of blood in their custom and culture, she was unclean. You know, if a woman in Mm -hmm. that time who might have problems, bleeding problems she was considered unclean and untouchable. So she shouldn't even have been in the crowd in the first place. It was she was being pretty bold, being pretty bold. And she um would have had to stay in the background to be unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Because it was very similar to having leprosy. I mean, it was very serious. If you presented yourself in public, and you had that problem. So she shouldn't even have been there. And
0: according to the culture, that was according to the culture. It's a big no no. You don't show up there, especially amongst a bunch of people.
1: Absolutely. So when the Savior turns and he says, Who touched me? and there she is, now she sort of has to present herself to the crowd and to Jesus. And you know, it's kind of like being in the back of a classroom holding up your hand. Yeah. Um, It was me. Yeah.
0: Everybody else is saying it wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. And they probably were touching him. And yet this woman realizes she knows who he's talking about. She was
1: touching with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone else is just, you know, for the most part, as we can tell, they're just happy to see him. They're excited. They do believe in him. They want to hear his words. She was touching with purpose. And I'm sure her thought was, I'll just touch him and quietly slip away and nobody will know. Can you imagine how surprised she must have been when he recognized? that she had wanted that healing from him, and he mm-hmm. could feel that.
0: Why do you think that he then pointed her out? Why not just let her go away quietly, unnoticed? Was there a purpose in that for him?
1: I think so. It's, it, that's an interesting question. You and I had chatted briefly about it, but I believe that, no, first off, I think he wanted to acknowledge her. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you have faith. You want to be healed, and you are. I think also he wanted those around to recognize her faith. And for her to recognize her faith. It's a, it's a wonderful example in Scripture of the power of faith and what it can do.
0: You said something interesting. For her to recognize her faith. What do you mean? Why would that be? I mean, obviously she had faith. She worked hard, mm-hmm. broke a bunch of societal rules reached in and touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Well, isn't that enough? Why does he want her to identify herself and say, it was me, and this is what I was doing?
1: I think that there's multiple answers to that. But I think one of them is that he wa- she was hiding, so he wanted to no, know it was okay to display your faith and to ask of me, this thing is okay. That mm-hmm. it's a good thing. It's a good thing for you to ask. Mm-hmm. So I want, I think he wanted her to recognize the goodness of her faith and that it was a righteous request to want to be healed. I, I believe that's the first part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think perhaps another part is he wanted her to know his acknowledgement of her faith. Mm-hmm so that she could build on that. It it may have just been the first stepping stone in her life to really building a deep commitment and faith.
0: I've often wondered as I have looked at that, because this is a verse that I have contemplated. And the verse is much longer, but the statement is just three words, and that's Mm -hmm. where the power really sits. Who touched me? He does exactly what she doesn't want him to do. He calls her out, puts all of the attention on her, and she's admitting Okay, I, I touched you, um, but now I'm healed. I have found sometimes as I vocalize my own faith, my faith is strengthened. Mm-hmm. As I vocalize a concept, as I talk about something, and I work it out in my head with words, it makes more sense to me, and it becomes more real. I have to wonder if that might have been part of the reason why he wanted that to happen for her too, is for her to actually say that and to to hear herself confessed that faith had made her whole and that his power was there for her. That's, that's a powerful recognition to make. And she was really put on the spot big time. What do you mean? Who touched me? I shouldn't even be here.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think also, as as we're chatting about this a bit, it's also an acknowledgment you're not going to be penalized. Mm. You're not going to be taken before the Sanhedrin. You're not going to be um
0: judged. Yeah. Even though you feel like you're on the spot right now, this is good.
1: This is this a is, good thing that you did. You're not <laughs> in trouble. So I think that put her at ease first and foremost. It's one of those public miracles that we learn from and that we read about. He probably did not want her to keep it a secret.
0: Mm-hmm. So we look at these short phrases. My father dwelt in a tent. Okay, so what, and then we realize there's so much more there. Who touched me <laughs> in a throng of people? What do you mean who touched you so Susan, what's the ounce? Take a second
1: look, look again don't pat- don't let it pass you by because there's so much you can learn and understand about yourself by just thinking about these things and how it applies to you. Take the time to read those three words and think about it.
0: Who touched me?
1: Who touched me?
0: My father dwelt in a tent, so what? And yet, the meaning is much more than the ankle deep that most people go into it.
1: Can you imagine if he had tried to write the explanation out? (laughs) The pages it would have taken?
0: Yeah. But it's left to us to be able to find it.
1: And that's what searching the scriptures is.
0: I love that word, to search. Not just to read, but to search because the clues are all over the place. And because most of us in this culture are very lazy, we don't want to work that hard.
1: We're always in a hurry.
0: And it doesn't just have to be scripture. We find it in literature. We we find it in great speeches. We find it often in the casual conversation between two people where so much is not spoken but the meaning can be so deep.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It is so important for us to take a minute and look, because it really is worth a second look, don't you think?
1: I do think.
0: And that's it. An ounce submitted for your consideration. Thank you for listening, subscribing to, and sharing an ounce. I'm Jim Fugate, and I'll catch you next time.